In this episode of What's in the Story, we will be talking about God of War 2018, Persona 5, Monster Hunter World, and Monster Hunter Rise. If you have not played these games, watch at your own discretion. There may be spoilers. Welcome to What's in the Story, your one-stop shop for two random people critically assessing various forms of media and talking like we're actual experts. I'm Mega. And I'm Fat. And welcome to the show. Today's topic is plot versus gameplay, which is more important for a good video game. First, we're going to be discussing the importance of having a good plot and the downsides to entirely plot-driven games. Okay, for our first section, we're going to be discussing the pros and cons of plot-based video games. And first, we're going to be talking about a, how a good plot allows a player to become more invested in the game and its character's goals. For example, we have God of War 2018, a new title to the series, which was a huge critical success, probably based on its setting, plot, and characters. According to Jonathan Dornbush, a game journalist working for IGN, God of War works so well due to its simple plot, the game functions as a long road trip and sets up the less than intimate relationship between Kratos and Atreus. And now we're just going to share our own personal thoughts on the game itself. So I think our first uh, point should definitely be the opening. The opening takes place in a nice wooden cabin, and we get to see both Kratos and Atreus reacting to uh, their mother's death and performing the funeral. So it definitely sets up an atmosphere. And it's very clear to see that both Kratos and Atreus are kind of uncomfortable with each other. Kratos, as we've known from previous entries on the series, does have a hard time uh, connecting with people through various hardships. Hardships, lots of trust issues with Ares, Ares, mostly. His father betraying him, trying to murder him. Having him murder his family. Yeah. Yeah. You you can fully understand why Kratos feels that way. But the good thing that this opening uh, sequence does for the game is through almost silent storytelling, you can see the relationship between Atreus and Kratos. During their first hunt, you can see that... Kratos doesn't really trust him very much, but they are trying to accomplish the same goal, and you can see that they are definitely trying to learn how to connect to each other. And throughout most of the game, you can see that trust starts to build, even like like Ian said, that first mission, you have a very wide trust issue, but throughout the story, you get a much deeper trust, and by the end of the story, you can definitely tell it's a much more... Um, iconic and normal father-son relationship where he's mentoring Atreus a lot, but also giving him that hard love and being gentle with him like a father usually would with their son and not a stranger who is just like, hey, do this thing. Listen to me. Also, my name is Mega. I don't know who this (laughs) Ian is. Uh, But the reason why the story, the game gives you so much time to grow and attach to these characters is because of the simple plot involved. The plot is we need to take Kratos' wife's ashes to the highest peak in uh, in the in the world, I guess. Midgard, I think. Is it Midgard? Because I, I, I'm pretty sure the tallest peak is in Jotun... Oh, in the, in the Nine Realms. Yeah. There we go. Because it's in Jotunheim. So, simply by making this road trip based plot, it really allows for Kratos and Atreus to 
get to know each other because we all know when you're on a road trip, you get to know those people, unfortunately, sometimes. Yeah, if it's that tight space in the car or long, long walks to throw your wife's ashes off a mountain. Yeah, surprisingly relatable, but God of War doesn't need some big over-the-top story, though it does sometimes. The big action scenes never really take away from the general plot and character progression of the story. They, The big climactic scenes are always there as more of an obstacle along their journey. Uh, in a typical way, if this was an actual road trip, oh, our road's closed. I guess we're going to have to go off-roading, except, oh, hey, it's the Sons of Thor, and they're trying to kill me. Guess I'll kill them. Uh, so you, it, it definitely does have like connections to something that we would actually experience, though, you know, God problems and all. Uh, but we can definitely... The the simple plot definitely helps with allowing us time to get to know these characters in various different situations. Because if they're struggling the entire time, you're never going to know what they're like casually. And if they're just hanging out, you're never going to know what they're like in extreme levels of stress. So an environment like a road trip allows you to see every aspect of these characters. And you connect to them more so you relate yeah. to them wanting to you know go to the highest peak in the nine realms and you know spread the, uh well, a loved one's ashes yeah and only does these casual uh moments allow for bigger growth of characters and allows to connect more to them but also allows you to take those moments where god of war's art and animation are so beautifully done that you can just sit there and appreciate the art instead of feeling you need to rush through the game because you're constantly hyped up trying to get to the next big moment it's a very story-like thing where you can just take your time and just take in everything that god of war has to offer if it's the great character moments the art that with the beautiful beautiful mountains that are done taking in all those moments is a very pleasant time to do with this casual story-like road trip yeah so even without a big climactic story it has a completely different effect on the game itself. Because if you do have a big climactic story, you can't, you know, invest time into, wow, look at how beautiful this is. I'm just going to explore. Which isn't a bad thing. If you have a big climactic story, you will have a lot of action the entire time. And if that is what you're looking for in a game, that's perfect. But having a plot like God of War allows for a lot of of different avenues to be explored when it comes to art in general, whether it's the art of writing a character, the actual physical art. Uh, and there's a lot of things to talk about when it comes to God of War, but all of the positive things from the game are facilitated by having a very simple plot. You don't need something big and climactic. You don't need something with super high stakes, though I bet the next game in the series will. It's called God of War Ragnarok. And if anyone knows anything about Norse mythology, you don't mess with Ragnarok. It's it's going to be big and climactic, but that's not what this story needed. It needed us to... Take our time with it and relax and enjoy everything the story has and not rush through it. Yeah, and we needed to connect to the characters. So in that next game, we already care about the characters. We care about if they win. We care about if they die. It's not just, 
a bunch of random characters who are fighting, which is something that a lot of series do fall into. And a lot of the first God of Wars was just this big hit this fight, next fight, next fight, next fight until you finish the game. And then you're like, oh, I, I didn't connect to anyone or anything. I just beat up other people. And that was the game. Yeah, in the original trilogy, you just connect to Kratos because of what happened with his family. And from there, his character is kind of just, hey, I want revenge. I want to get justice uh, for my family. Which, for those kind of action uh, hack and slash games, it makes perfect sense. We will kind of be talking about that in the gameplay-driven story. But... The original trilogy is more of a gameplay and uh, like atmospheric kind of game. But God of War 2018 is not like that. It's doing something completely different. It's trying to build a relationship between two characters and it does it fantastically. At no point in God of War did I ever feel like what we were doing was... Irrelevant. Even when we get to the top of a mountain and it's like, this isn't the tallest mountain. What are you doing here? Yeah. It always makes sure that there's like some story importance of the game that you never feel like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing or some random mission that a lot of other games do where you're like, oh, this is just buying time really to the next point or pushing you. It feels very natural. It's like, oh, they are just going to this next point that they think they need to be at. Yeah, so it definitely creates a very positive environment for the players. And it's a very, very good example on why plot-based video games work the way they do. Because the gameplay in God of War is good. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make fun of it or anything. It's, it's good. Obviously, I've put enough time into it to enjoy the game. Yeah, but you have over a hundred hours in the game? I believe so, probably. Uh, over my two playthroughs, yeah. So, it's not a good example of why gameplay isn't important, because the gameplay is very important, yeah. but it but everything in the game is facilitated by its plot. Yeah. Without the plot, the gameplay would mean nothing, and it would just be a hack and slash, which is fun for a little while, but it definitely, the plot is what allows God of War to function the way that it does. And that really drives us to our next point, which is, God of War is a game you can definitely only play once or twice because of how once you know the story, not much is new and exciting and changes. It Everything just happens again because of how strong the story is and not really the actual gameplay of it. It's a very just interactive story, I think is a good way to put God of War 2018. So it's like rereading a book. You kind of just know all the story points. And you're like, oh... This isn't as exciting anymore, which doesn't make you want to play the story again. God of War does have more replayability than a lot of other plot-based games, but it does fall short once you get all those collectibles, you beat all those bosses. Then it very much is, it's just an environment simulator at a certain point. And if you can get, like, even 60 hours out of a game, it's a good game, probably. Like... Especially considering most games run for about 60 bucks. That's about a dollar an hour if you're comparing to like an arcade, which is, for something of that quality, a very, very good price. 
And I think that's why arcades aren't very popular anymore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but God of War does a fantastic job with everything that it tries to do. And with the time that you have with it, it is probably one of the best first playthrough experiences in gaming history. It's it's up there with the classics. So as far as plot-based video games go, it's a perfect example to show why plot is important to get connected to characters. Despite all the pros of investing into a game's plot, if you invest too much time of a game's entertainment value into plot, it can seriously reduce its replayability. For example, Persona 5 feels like a chore to play through a second time, even with all the additional content that you get on a second playthrough. Is the only person who has played Persona 5 on this podcast. I've played some of it. You have, Sure, you have. Like a fifth of the game. A fifth of the game. So he does not have any evidence or any personal experience with replaying the game. I have. Persona 5 is a fantastic game. The plot's amazing. The gameplay's pretty decent. But it is a slog to get through a second time. Because you know everything that happens. And it's a super long game. So everything feels kind of meaningless after a certain point. Until you get to that additional content that you want. Say you want to increase the confidant uh, rating of Ryuji, which you should do every time because Ryuji's the best. That I know, Ryuji's amazing. Yeah. Wait, ain't that bad? Yes. Yes. It is. Just completely messing up a game on a second playthrough by knowing everything that's going on is bad, as Ryuji would say. But... It's it's hard to say that it's not worth it for a game like Persona 5. Because everyone loves Persona 5. I love Persona 5. You've barely played it, so you can't comment or speculate, and it's not your kind of game. But yeah. It definitely seems like a game that is very easy to love. A lot of people really love Persona 5, including myself. And I gotta say, its second playthrough is nowhere near as good as its first. And I think that's... Not necessarily a bad thing, because the first playthrough is so long and is super enjoyable, but it's a good example of what a plot-based video game can really cause. Because, again, Persona 5 has all of the hallmarks of a game that should have a lot of replayability. You get a lot from replaying a game, because you can't complete everything on the first playthrough. But, it definitely hurts the game on the second playthrough because you already know everything that happens in the story and it feels like it's wasting a lot of time. And and the main problem is a lot of the game is about building characters and like introducing characters. There are plot twists and everything and all of that is kind of less interesting when you already know what's going to happen. Sometimes it's interesting to go back to scenes with context of like Hey, that guy's bad. Or that's some really cool foreshadowing of the future. Which we will get to on a later episode. But Persona 5 is a fantastic game. It's not very good on replay. At least in my opinion. Because you know everything that's going to happen. And even with the additional content, that is super fun. It really is. It's very interesting. It doesn't hold up to the first playthrough. 
which is a shared trait it has with God of War, where the second playthrough just is not as good as the first one. You know what's going to happen. You get some stuff, yes, you can fight the Valkyries better, you can get, you can upgrade further, but it just doesn't hit as well as that first playthrough. Even not having played Persona 5 entirely, I can completely relate to this point of having played God of War and loving it so much and trying to play it again and just it falling short the second time. Yeah, it's kind of like rewatching a show the second you finish it, which I can only do with one show, Mob Psycho 100, but this isn't about that. I swear. Uh, though at certain points it will kind of feel like that's an entire episode, but it's not, I swear. Tangents aside, investing too much of a game's entertainment value and plot is not always the best thing. But instead, it really boosts the first playthrough. And all subsequent playthroughs get worse because of that. And we will be talking about uh, gameplay after this. And now, a message from our sponsors. Water bottles. Have you ever been like, shucks, I wish I could drink some water right now on this hot summer day. Why not water bottles? When you're out hiking or on a run or just outside on a hot summer day and you start to get dehydrated because your body's using that water, now water bottles. They hold water. Hopefully it's clean and you can drink it. And if you get a good one, it's cold as well. Isn't that bad? If you get the reference, good on you. Drink water. It's a water bottle. Shut up. Thank you, Fat, for that fantastic sponsor message. We are not sponsored by water bottles, but if we were, thank you. For a second section, we're going to be talking about the pros and cons of gameplay. For example, good gameplay causes players to have a lot more fun while actually playing and leads to players playing more and more often. For example, we have Monster Hunter. Monster Hunter Rise in this is a game with a satisfying gameplay loop that can make players feel accomplished and entertained. According to Tom Marks, each hunt is essentially an epic boss fight against a specific monster or two, all of which are incredibly diverse in both visual design and behavior. Monster Hunter Rise is a game that I've played a little bit. A just a few hours. Just just a little bit over 250 hours. Is it that much, really? Yeah, it is. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. What is that? Uh, I think 10 times more than me? Yeah, well, it's because you suck. I'm also <laughs> busy. That's true. Uh, so, I think I have a good amount of uh, knowledge when it comes to the gameplay loop of Monster Hunter Rise. It's fun. A lot of people have a hard time getting into it. It does have kind of a uh, problems getting into the game, but once you actually know what you're doing, it is probably one of the most fun games to just play on repeat. And there are not a lot of games that I have over 200 hours in. Uh, but God of War... I mean, not God of War. We're talking about Monster Hunter Rise right now. Wonderful. Uh, <clears throat> Monster Hunter Rise is a game that you can just hop into, play for 10, 15 minutes, yeah. and you're going to have a ton of fun. One or two monsters, 
even if you've already hunted those monsters, it's still very fun to go back and play them and get a better time and try yeah. to compete against yourself. Or if you're me, you know, instead of playing for 10 to 15 minutes, play for 8 to 10 hours. Yeah. Uh, take a 10 second break and then do it again. <laughs> uh, I like the game. And a lot of it has to do with the visual design and the gameplay. Obviously, we're talking about it because of the gameplay. I personally main charge. I used to main charge blade in world. I now main hunting horn in rise. And you main the bow. Yeah, I like to stay away from the monster so I don't die. I like not being a pansy. So <laughs> I'm I'm messing around. The bow is fun. I will say. Uh, but with 14 different weapon types in Monster Hunter in general, uh, and upwards of 50 plus weapons in each of each weapon type, it gives you a lot of variety. Also, with each of the armors having different armors uh, skills, and you can do mixed sets or full sets. Yeah, you can swap out your tools and weapons so much that even if you are at the same level you can make a hunt completely different if you've already done it with changing out weapons armor what charms you use for your armors and weapons your decoration slots everything you can change and alter and it completely changes your gameplay style but no matter how you play there's always a weapon for you like i'm not a huge fan of the bow guns personally I think they're boring, but I fully understand the the enjoyment that comes from uh, getting a full auto heavy bow gun and having some person just trap a Tigrex and then you with three other people just, you know, gat it down, uh, which is... Or slash it with your giant, <clears throat> stupid, big longsword. Yeah. That will inevitably hit your teammates. Absolutely. Uh, if you play with the longsword player, please put on flinch free. Uh, unfortunately, they get they automatically get flinch free, so you can't even give them a taste of their own medicine. Uh, but <laughs> but the gameplay loop in Monster Hunter is very simple. You fight a monster, you get parts from that monster, you use those parts to get. Uh, armor and weapons. You fight bigger monsters. You get those parts. They're constantly scaling up. Yeah. And even with a game like Monster Hunter Rise, which I will say is probably easier than the other Monster Hunter games. Not by that much, necessarily. Uh, I would say on launch, it definitely was very easy. There weren't anything... There wasn't anything in the game that made me, like cart three times consistently that could also just be the game devs uh allowing new players to come in and not be like oh my goodness this is so much and so hard they can get warmed up and into the game so they can ramp up harder i i understand uh what you mean but i still think that the late game didn't have enough but now they have added a bunch of new things the newest title update finally added one of the coolest monsters ever uh, Valstrax is so cool. Jet Dragon. It is fantastic. It is easily my favorite fight in the game because it is big, it is fast, you will die in two shots. It is fantastic. 
But I will never accuse a Monster Hunter game of being straight up easy. Because Monster Hunter Rise was the easiest game. That but, does not mean it's an easy game. Yeah. If you have never played a Monster Hunter game, you will die. But you will, you will rarely feel like it's the game's fault. It will usually be your fault. And you will completely recognize it and go, Oh, I need to get better armor, get better weapons, change my strategy for this monster. So you can attack it. It's very much like a real hunt where you're analyzing the monster and then how it moves so you can get a better fight against it. Yeah, and as you fight things, you learn its movesets better. You learn, hey, if I break its horns, its big attack is going to do less damage to me. Maybe I'll survive it this time. It really is about your combined knowledge and gear that really changes how you play the game. And that adaptation is very, very fun. Because you're not doing the same thing over and over again. And you're in a plot-based game, because this is plot versus gameplay. And plot-based games, a lot of actual gameplay sections are just waiting for the next cutscene. Or waiting for the next dialogue sequence. But in Monster Hunter, in general, the characters really aren't that important. You don't really care that much about the characters. Most of the characters that you care about are just kind of memes. We all love Elder Fugin, but it's not because he's a well-written character. Yeah. It's because he yells a lot. And the story, as well as semi-flat, where it's just this, like, hey, this happened, big fight. It's really not trying to focus on the story at all. It's very leaning towards its gameplay aspect of allowing you to just fight monsters and have big, fun fights that are fun to strategize against, get better armor... And not really, hey, what's the meaning of this fight? It's just, I like this fight. Even games, even the Monster Hunter games that do have uh, a more cohesive plot, like Monster Hunter World and Monster Hunter 4, uh, they are basically there to justify why you're fighting cool monsters. Like in Monster Hunter World, it was, hey, a bunch of Elder Dragons are unnaturally coming to this area. Like, more so than normal. Uh, and then you realize, oh, Nergigante is there eating them. And then a, a little bit later, you realize, wait, Nergigante is here to even out the ecosystem because too many Elder Dragons are coming here. And then you find what's causing that. And all that stuff is interesting, but altogether not really important to what you're actually doing. Uh, and even with Monster Hunter Rise, where you're trying to figure out uh, what's causing the rampage, uh, the plot really doesn't factor into your enjoyment of the game. Uh, even when they set up mysteries, usually it pays off pretty quickly, and you'll be fighting that monster. And even when there are fights that aren't fun, because there are fights that aren't fun. That's how it works. Yeah, the game isn't perfect. I really love Barioth's design, but I hate fighting it. Uh, and that's entirely because of my own playstyle and my own preferences. But there are so many monsters in these games that even if you don't like 
a specific monster. Don't fight that monster. There's no... You don't need to. Fight... Fight Goss Harag. Because Goss Harag is the coolest monster they added in this game. I'm just saying. It's true. Oh, hey, I'm an ice oni that, uh, you know, has two giant ice blades on his hands and will kill you. It's he fantastic. will run at you with them. Yeah. All of the monsters are also very lifelike in certain ways because they're kind of modeled after real physi- physiological aspects of creatures in real life. Uh, obviously, not all of them are very realistic. Some are very much over-exaggerated. Like, if you take like an electric eels, how it has that electrical shock. There are monsters that have that electrical shock, but it is very over-exaggerated. With, you can see it sparking off of the creatures as they move. Yeah, but just having any kind of realism makes everything feel a lot more visceral. And it is kind of a cartoony game when you get down to it. It is. You are carrying around a giant sword. All of the characters are really goofy. Every time you go on a hunt, you have to watch a, a cutscene where you eat food with a bunch of little cats preparing it. You can skip it, but why would you? <laughs> uh, no, you cannot skip it. No, you cannot skip it. As, as you believed until we corrected you. Yeah. I get it, we lied to you, but we also skipped it in front of you. That's your fault. It is. Yeah. But Monster Hunter Rise is a perfect example of a game that just needs gameplay. Because the plot, you don't need to know any of the characters. Because you don't really interact with them very often. Basically, they're there to tell you where, where to point your blade or your bow or your, your machine gun. Or insect glaive. Or gun lance. Uh, all, the, all the weapon types are very cool, I will say. Not, necessar- not all of them are fun for everyone. Like, I really don't like lance. But I've seen people who really love lance. And while Mega absolutely loves hunting horn, I am not a huge fan of hunting horn at all. It just feels way too slow for me. But he- I love bow. I love having that... Ability to change out my kind of different shots, different elements. I love the variability in bows that I don't quite get with hunting horns. Yeah, and the monster hunter community is so open that you can even be wrong like that and still and still be supported by the community. <laughs> uh, as long as we can all agree that longsword mains need to stay away from me. Yes, everyone. They need to stay away from everyone. Well, no, they, they stay in their own little longsword yeah. long circle. Longswords can gang up together, but everyone else should stay six feet away with them. Actually, their blade is six feet. Yeah. You need to stay nine feet away. I would say at least a continent away. Yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> to, to be blunt, this game's awesome. There's you can always go back and fight monsters no matter how many times you fought them get a better time get different parts because you're not always going to get the same parts for a monster there's percent drops of different items so you want to go back and farm those monsters to get certain drops and yes gems do exist no matter how few of them you have gotten i swear they exist i hope i'm not <laughs> sure i haven't got one <laughs> Uh, it took way too long for me to... Actually, no, I got pretty lucky with Valstrax. 
Uh, I got it in five hunts. Wonderful. Uh, but sometimes it, the game keeps you in its grasp by making everything so fun and making sure that you really need to work to get things. And it feels so rewarding when you complete a build until you realize, wait a minute, since when did I have 380 hours in this game? Uh, I was at 20 yesterday. How does that work? Is that how time works? I'm not sure. And that then, just shows how much the gameplay is fun. And then you're like, oh my god, it's been three months. What's going on? And then at that point, you've already had too much fun with the game. Yeah. Either way, I think it's very clear that we absolutely love the gameplay of this. But it also could do with a little more story and making it characters feel a little more fleshed out, a little more important than it being fully gameplay. And that's one of the cons of a gameplay-driven story is you don't really connect to characters. As much as the game is fun... You don't get connected and have that emotional appeal when a character dies. It just is whatever. You don't care. You're just like, oh, I'm going to go do this next hunt now. Bye. Yeah, and this leads very naturally into our second point. Where it... Exactly. If you invest too much in gameplay, you're not going to care about the characters or the stakes. Or anything involved with what's actually going on in the game. Uh... And while Monster Hunter Rise technically does have a plot, it didn't really affect the game very much. And if this was Monster Hunter World, I would I would be thankful because then I wouldn't have to deal with the handler. Uh, <laughs> but Monster Hunter Rise does really, really rely on the gameplay. And if you don't like the gameplay, and there are people out there who just don't, no matter how much they're wrong... The entire game is going to fall flat for them. If you don't have fun playing the game... There isn't much else to the game. There's nothing else to the game. Yeah. Except for looking at cool monsters. And that is definitely the primary downside of gameplay-based video games. Because if you don't like the gameplay, there is nothing else to fall back on. There's absolutely nothing else to nothing fall back on. Nothing that's going to keep you interested. While with plot-based games, it's kind of the same thing. If you don't like the plot and the gameplay is bad, you are not going to enjoy yeah. it. So in our next section, we're going to be talking about which is more important. And now a message from our second sponsor. Ziploc bags. Have you ever gone like, hmm, I don't want to store water, so I'm not going to use a water bottle. I want to store spaghetti. Now, we have Ziploc bags. It allows you to store more than spaghetti, but spaghetti is a good example of what you can hold in your Ziploc bags. It's a good way to contain the mess you made and not make the mess all over your fridge. You can keep it stored, dry, cold, whatever you want. Ziploc bags. They're great for holding anything you want, like vomit or spaghetti. Neither <laughs> with arms are heavy. Vomit on a sweater already. Mom's spaghetti. Thank you, Ziploc bags. Please don't sponsor us again. <laughs> so for our third section, we're going to be talking about which is more important in a story. An interesting plot that fleshes out the players to the world, characters and threats, or fun gameplay that can be completed on repeat and continue being fun hours and hours later. 
And I think we can both agree that not really one is over, one is more important than the other. Both are equally good. Uh, it really just depends on what game you're playing, what you personally like more, or really just what the mood you're in. If you want to just sit down, relax, and play a game like God of War and just go on this road trip, or just turn off your brain and murder a bunch of monsters, because it's fun. Yeah, it really is about what kind of mood you're in or what kind of games you enjoy, because everyone has their own personal preference. Some people are super invested into the story. Sometimes you're just not. It really is about what you personally find more interesting. And if you can find a game with both good gameplay and a good plot, that's perfect. But I think from a writer's perspective, like someone who is developing a game and they have to figure out what they want to spend their time on, do you want to have the most special first playthrough? If you do, 100% go with plot. Yeah. Because if you want the first gameplay to be incredibly special, the first playthrough, you need people to be invested in what's going on. Yeah, a very strong plot, characters fleshed out, story fleshed out, that has interesting points. But if you want a game that will have a stupid long lifespan, people will be playing it forever, you need good gameplay. Because people will not play a game for years if all, all it has going for it is plot. Yeah, could, I haven't really touched God of War since 2018, later 2018, while things like Monster Hunter World, people are still playing, even like the first Monster Hunter games, people are still actively playing and trying to get better at it, even though it's been out for 10, 20 years. Yeah, it really is important to create a balance. Because as much as we praise God of War for its uh, plot, it does also have good gameplay. But it did invest more of its time into plot instead of into gameplay. So it reduced its replay value for a special experience playing through it the first time. And God of War has a special experience yeah. playing through. I will always remember that first time playing through. And every moment of seeing Atreus grow and Kratos' relationship with Atreus grow is such a special thing to see. Whereas I don't remember the exact moment I killed my first monster because I've killed so many of them. <laughs> yeah. And while Monster Hunter, you will develop special moments, it's just not going to necessarily be your first playthrough. My my uh, current special memory with Monster Hunter is when you were about to come over here. Uh, I don't remember what we were doing. I, th- I think we were just going to hang out and play Dungeons & Dragons or something. And I just wanted to get a quick Somnicant hunt out. Uh, and I, di- I wasn't really rushing or anything, but I noticed that something was going on. I felt... It felt too easy. It felt like I was just doing everything right. And when it finished, the time said 4.48. Which is incredibly fast for anyone. It is very fast. And I was just... I was just sitting there. Like, so what happened? What's going on? Why did this happen? But but I felt so accomplished. And it was... It really is a special experience. 
just completing something fast or like perfectly in Monster Hunter. And it really does create very different experiences. Not like one's not better than yeah, the other. Not they're different just, in a bad way, just different. They're just very different. You you focus on different things completely. Well, in God of War, there are gameplay related uh, things that will make you feel very accomplished. Like defeating the Queen of the Valkyries. That was rough. I'm not going to lie. I jumped out of my seat cheering. It was awesome. But when you can get that multiple times in Monster Hunter, it does... It's a completely different game experience. While the specific memory may be very similar of defeating something that's really hard, it changes what you value about a game. And that is really where the difference between plot and gameplay comes in. It's not it's not binary. If you have a good plot, you're going to have bad gameplay. That's yeah. not true. And if you have good gameplay, that doesn't mean you have a bad plot. Yeah, you can have mixes of both. It's just a matter of how you structure your game and what and for people playing the games, it's a matter of what you want in that game. Uh, it's not a black and white thing, like Ian said. Again, I am Mega. I don't know who Ian is. <laughs> but just because you invest a lot into gameplay doesn't mean that people who like plot aren't going to like your game. If you invest a lot in plot, that doesn't mean people who like gameplay are going to not enjoy your game. But if you know your audience, it really helps to figure out what they value. And with that, you can create a story that fits better or gameplay that would be more interesting to them. It really is a case-by-case -case basis. So to answer our question from the beginning, there is no, there is no better option. There is no one correct answer. You can do whatever you want and it will receive very varying results. If you want to go gameplay, you're probably going to have a much higher average playtime uh, per player, but you'll probably get more critical success and like first gameplay, I mean, first, first play, playthrough, excuse me, first playthrough uh, enjoyment in a plot-based game than the gameplay-based game. So it is entirely up to what you're looking for what the audience is looking for, and all of those things. So thank you for thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time in What's in a Story, where we're going to be talking about animation in cartoons and anime. Thank you. Bye-bye! <laughs>